0: Welcome to the Kids Media Club podcast, I'm Andy Williams.
1: And I'm Jo Redfern, and today we've got one of our favourite guests with whom to chew the fat about all things kids' media, it's Emily Horgan. Hi everyone,
2: my name's Emily Horgan, I'm an independent kids' media consultant with a focus on streaming
0: and franchise. So this episode is a bit of a different format for us. It's going to be a roundtable chat about some of the current media news events that's caught our eye. In this show, we're going to be shooting the breeze about John Lasseter's new animated movie for Apple, Luck. Look at the latest news from Disney and talk about how streamers are using YouTube as a discovery tool and marketing tool and whether this has some risks for kids' media. So let's chat about that. Uh, John Lasseter's Luck. Emily, can you give us a little bit of background on the movie just to get us started?
2: Yeah, so um, Luck comes from Skydance um, and it hit Apple TV uh, earlier this month. Um it's um, a story about a very, very unlucky girl who meets a black cat and enters the world of luck and uh, hilarity ensues. Um I know I talked to you guys about this uh, a few episodes ago, but it does kind of it, it, it's another kids. It's another family movie that's in this kind of space at the moment where that we're that, well, I'm tracking at the very least to go that that, that opens a question of what's the best thing for releasing animated movies? Is it going straight to streaming or is it going uh, with a theatrical release first? Obviously, Disney Plus throughout the whole of the pandemic released um, all the Pixar films, direct streaming. Um, DreamWorks took uh, different different approaches. And now we're seeing kind of we're seeing the results of this kind of manifest into streaming results, theatrical results, etc. In the middle of this, look hit Apple TV. Now, Apple TV is a lower penetrated streamer and um, it's much more niche. Um although the content quality is undeniable, like Apple mm-hmm. Apple really invest in in, in in what they're commissioning. And um, so that's kind of one of the reasons I'm tracking it anyway.
1: And, and in terms of its performance, as you said, you, Apple are notoriously guarded about um, releasing figures and stats, you know, only trying to figure out how many subscribers they've got is, is nigh on impossible, although around the 20 million mark seems to be the figure that I, I found. So in terms of headlines I read it's uh, Apple's biggest animated feature debut to date but really what does that mean in your experience
2: Well it's it's the thing it's the one thing about Apple what we can say is it does hit Nielsen ratings like they have disclosed their content for Nielsen for for Nielsen ratings and mm-hmm. um, they're at a handicap for that so that's the US Nielsen Squad um content ratings uh, tracker uh, the top 10 so they're at a disadvantage of that because they're going from this low base. So it's going to be, it is going to be challenging challenging for them, regardless to be hitting that top 10 when they're up against the likes of Netflix and Disney Plus. Um, so that's, you know, the, the film didn't hit that top 10 is is the bottom line. Um, so once it's not within that top 10, then we're kind of, you know, that's the shark fin. I like to say, like there's still a whole shark there. It's not to say that the, mm-hmm. it didn't do well. We know it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. Uh, it didn't hit that top ten. I did see a number released that said it was seen by 2.2 million people. That was a Nielsen number um, in the US. Uh, I don't have anything honestly off, to, off the back of my head to, to compare that to. I mean, it's 2.2 million. Sounds like 2.2 million. Nobody's going to turn that down. But you know, the rea- the realistic um, impact of that is is a question. I guess the other thing about the conversation I'd say, Joe, is and we discussed this a few weeks ago, is whether the film could have had a bigger impact if it went to if it had a theatrical release first Um, you know obviously that will come with marketing but we do know look there was a mar- like a reasonable marketing spend against look that that's anecdotally reported you know people mm-hmm. saw the ads right so you yeah know, that's you know it's an anecdote but it is a fact Um, so it comes with that marketing spend, but equally, you know, a, a model even a modest theatrical box office return is is in the pocket before it hits sc- before it hits streaming, and with the platform like Apple TV, plus, um, you know, it's it's a, it's an awareness driver. It's also maybe a prestige driver. I would say so. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting because obviously Lasseter moved to Skydance, um, following a period of uh, a day a downtime after he 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 was you know he left uh, Pixar under you know, challenging circumstances. And obviously he's used to this big franchise machine and he's used to, you know, that kind of level of visibility for his films. Um, so whether a theatrical release would have helped, um, I'd argue it would. So I don't know what you guys think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think... I think it undoubtedly would have given it... Well, it depends if if the point of of luck is to kind of help build prestige and attention to Apple TV as a, as a platform and to show their commitment to, to kids and family content, then a theatrical release, I think would have just given it more profile really. Um, And, and I think there's a way to think of cinemas as, you know, you're going outside of your platform to where kids and families are really. Um, So it's a, so it's a powerful powerful marketing tool and i think the the data seems to support that it doesn't cannibalize um it doesn't cannibalize your audience
1: it feels a little bit like a missed opportunity for me i mean for for me lock felt like a slam dunk a, you know movie made for theaters you know released in the summer you know that's when families like to go to the, theater, the cinema together it's you know, it's not based on any pre-existing franchise. So actually, what better way to kick off a potential franchise than give it a theatrical... You know, they did a, a master toy license for the characters. So, you know, we saw toys based around the cat. So it felt like it had got all, you know... They'd put all the building blocks in place for a franchise, but just didn't layer in the, OK, it needs to go out theatrically first. And it's a little bit... It, it's It confused me, and I was debating... Is it the Lasseter factor, actually? Did they not want to stick their head above the parapet so much for fear of it garnering a, a, a backlash? Um, or did they really think, you know, again, 2.2 million streams, looking back on it with hindsight, well, if that's a proportion of around 20 million subscribers, actually did a good job then. Um, so yeah. were they banking on it on it to shift the dial in terms of subscribers, perhaps at the expense of a theatrical release? I, I you know, genuinely don't know, but... It, It feels in my gut like it was a missed opportunity not to give it a limited theatrical run. Yeah,
2: my view was probably a bit more routed in the messy reality of the industry sometimes. I would say it was a missed opportunity, genuine missed opportunity, you know, know, something, contracts weren't in place, buying out was too expensive. It was a bit of a while, you know, there was a decision that maybe had to be made you know, this time last year when we were all still a bit wobbly about what yeah. cinema was going to look like and it was like, ah, actually, hang on a second, like, it's just not worth it. Like, you know, the amount that we're going to have to push and, you know, at the time, maybe it wasn't so clear that it would be worth it. I mean, the, the deal with Skydance and Apple is it's a multi-year deal. It's going to apply to um, a, number, like the th- a number of the, the the films coming out of that studio. So I think the, nec- the next film, and also obviously in the midst of luck, last year came in and again that could have added to the you know the contractual messiness of the whole thing um so it was a kind of only half under under his tenure the next film will be fully under his tenure so you know setting it all up in the right way is, is going to be cleaner um and I also think you know Apple TV um I don't think in my view that they have the philosophical problem with theatrical releases that netflix seem to have you know i think yeah. they're you know they don't have the same type of skin in the game you know they the, apple tv is a is a is a value-add offering on onto what they're already you know they're, they're 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 giving to the consumer and so any way that they can get that to sing a bit louder is good to them i don't think they're as precious about you know it's uh, the philosophy of that theatrical um window where at Netflix, it feels like it's been a bitter pill to have to swallow that that's, you know, kind of needs to be a part of what they're offering. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, well, I think uh, I'd say wait and see. Let's see what they're doing. Cause, so Spellbound is the upcoming, is, is the next one upcoming from that deal. Um, Alan Menken is signed on to do the soundtrack. So like, super excited about that. <laughs> you know, he's a, a hit maker, you know, just yep. straight off the bat. So, you know, uh, thinking in Canto, et cetera, like if that... Mm-hmm. If that doesn't hit theatrical, then it'll be like, "Here, lads, what's what's going on
0: here?" Yeah, yeah. I w- I wonder as well whether because there clearly was a gamble in terms of, uh, you know, the controversy that had been attached to last departure from, from Disney. But wonder whether part of that, as much for Skydance as anything, is that um, Menkin and Brad Bird, whether Lasseter kind of almost was the thing that helped bring in that Disney talent as well.
2: You know, I mean, listen, there's no doubt that, that Lasseter's joining Skydance has brought in these big names. You know, he's got that relationship there. Um, arguably, you know, it was a great fit with Apple too because Pixar and, and Lasseter, assuming, pr- presumably Lasseter, have that kind of um, legacy relationships, etc. cetera, mm. with, with, with Apple. So that sits well. Um, obviously, the controversy he left um, Pixar with, you know, the missteps, the Me Too, mo- the Me Too movement. Um, you know, although I think you know, obviously Skydance have done a, a whole kind of reckoning with staff and and, mm. and you know town halls and all that kind of stuff. It's it is it is tricky. Um, I thought Emma Thompson had been signed on to look um, with the previous director, and she issued a she she wrote an, an open letter that she put, that was ended up being published in the Hollywood Reporter that I thought summed it up quite well. I thought her yeah. points about um, you know, like you don't wanna people 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 can be redeemed and arguably, you know, Lasseter was not on trial like Harvey Weinstein. So I know like that, even though the Meeting movement covers those two people like there, it is definitely different. Um but I think she she outlined it well to say that you know there's no, there was nothing to stop him setting up on his own and having people who want to choose to work with him go to choose to work with it work for him. Um, whereas when he entered Skydance, obviously the, the the employees there had to react as to how they felt they needed to, which puts them on you know puts, puts it on them, which is you know arguably not fair. Um, but yeah. having said that, I'm you know like he 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 has a, his creative his creative track record is obviously mm. stunning and, and you know we'll, we'll wait and see
1: yeah I thought if anyone has not read that letter I would urge people to read it I thought it was a very well balanced very eloquently written letter by her uh, you know that outlined her her principles didn't cast aspersions, wasn't too overly uh, dramatic but um, you know very very interesting and typically Emma Thompson actually
2: <laughs> yeah it was very elegant and graceful yeah, so you know, like, wait, let's wait and see. I mean, I, I would be, I would be putting money on Apple dabbling in a theatrical release for the next Skydance. I would yeah, put, same. and I, and not just a fiver. Like, I might put, you know, I might get spicy with it, like, because I'm pretty sure that they probably will.
0: <laughs> Interesting, and I think your point earlier, where um, we tend to kind of view everything with the benefit of hindsight, was like, obviously, it should have had a cinema release <laughs> yeah. when when the timeline means <laughs> that those decisions would have had to have been made quite a while ago, still in this kind of the shadow of the pandemic when yeah. a lot of those decisions were were different.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Talking about theatrical, um, Disney have also kind of um, come in and commented in terms of their kind of view on the viability of kind of cinemas and theatrical and whether we're going back to the situation pre-pandemic um what was kind of what's the general what was the what was the general comment from from disney's the disney ceo about that
2: oh, so chapek said that he he doesn't think theatrical is nece- is necessarily necessary <laughs> to uh to, to start a franchise i mean i think that's that's fair i mean i think that's already been proven right stranger things is a streaming franchise think you know, the netflix aren't machining it the way it could be machined but you know i think nobody's gonna disagree with that with that um you know and disney have had success not not creating original franchises for for disney plus but they've definitely you know shown that streaming can really 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 drive um i think when we bring it back to this question of theatrical like family film family films um you know i still think and i think we're seeing it as i said as part of this picture of where we're, we're tracking where i'm tracking um you know, Sing 2 versus Lightyear versus The Sea Beast, um versus Luck, you know, I still think that theatrical window is is a major driver for a movie, for sure. Um, you know, just to get the awareness up and to get the kind of, to, to put the prestige on it, to, to, to eventize it, I think is important. Um, you know, and listen, we'll see what, what Disney's upcoming say, you know, how... It'll be interesting to see how much Disney are willing to dabble in in, in stream straight to streaming because they, mm. gave straight to streaming, a really like, like convincing go of it over the over the pandemic. Like putting all the Pixar films straight to Disney Plus was a call, you know, it was a call. Yeah. Um They were much more creative with the Walt Disney Animation Studio windowing. They did a lot more experimentation there. So they kind of got a te- in, in that, that, that's why I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do because they do have. They have their test case and then they have their experimentation case, and so they have to have learned a lot of lessons from all of that. Do you, do you um, think that
0: um, caused some issues with because the Pixar ended up being the studio that they decided, okay, we're going to experiment with just streaming on your stuff, but the Disney <laughs> stu- animations, we're going to we're going to still kind of continue to do a theatrical for for that. I wonder whether that's kind of it. Almost had a sort of favorite child um, dimension to it. Which one
2: was the favorite? yeah
0: <laughs> yeah well i uh, draw, well I think from that um the the kind of the event and the and the prestige of the theatrical makes it look like Disney animation was a bit more favored really in that
2: yeah in that well regard. yeah well it was i mean experimented with though too, so right like if it didn't work, it would saying the, the other thing but i I' thought it was I thought it was interesting Disney did that with Pixar and walt Disney animation Studios nBC universal essentially did quite a similar thing with illumination and dreamworks so dreamworks they were trialing pvods they were doing all sorts of stuff with, with illumination it was a lot more like right let's stop everything on minions even though there's loads <laughs> to stop and let's wait until we're sure it's going to be huge um yep. and ditto sing too right so they kind of they really they those those films are were, the dates on them were, you know pushed way out mm-hmm. um i mean if, if you're yeah it, 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 it's interesting. I mean, if you're a big studio like that, I guess, and you've got two horses in the ring, like, it's, it's probably a sensible thing to tinker around with one and leave one in a steady state. So at least the, the strategy doesn't work. You're not, uh, yeah. you haven't broken yeah. both of the horses.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's right. I mean, you can, see the, you can see the logic behind it, given that, you know, cinema has been in decline even pre-pandemic. And I think the assumption was that the pandemic would kill it. And actually it didn't. So, you know, there's a certain amount of hedging, you know, arguably, you know, it it was Cineworld that filed for bankruptcy relatively recently. So, you know, there's still a a decline happening. However, you've got the likes of Tom Cruise that are still making these great trailers off the top of airplanes saying, you know, go to the cinema. Um, You know, so it makes sense that these these companies do kind of hedge their bets and, and if they've got the ability to test one part of their business, straight to streaming and the other with theatrical, why wouldn't you? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm and good I good. think just to put the, the cine world thing, I think it's important to, that is a company massively laden with debt. I mean, yeah. it's become a bit like kind of a football club acquisition that somebody kind of goes in and buys it and then leverages an enormous amount. Of so they've been sitting on quite a lot of debt for, you know, a while pre pre the pandemic. And it's kind of as much about that kind of structure as it is about the market I think the problem with the problem cinemas have a bit is I think there does look like there's evidence that they do provide something that you don't get on the streaming platforms but cinemas need studios to be producing content for them and and if studios decide that they're not committed to cinema releases that regardless of how healthy cinemas are in and of themselves if they don't have the content, they're going to have a problem.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is, this approach has been a, a, at Disney for a long time. So add the, it was something that was originated from Alan Warren, and He's written about it. You know that fewer, bigger, better. Everyone says it. But, you know, like, you need, there needs to be a reason to want to go and see a film in, in, in the cinema and not just because it's a film. And I think mm-hmm. Disney got that from a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and listen, there's the John Carters of Marses and whatever happened happened in the meantime. But, you know, I think they really got that. They have gotten that for a long time that if you're making a film for the cinema, it to, to, to be commercially viable on a big scale, it has to have a reason to need to go to the cinema, you know, whether it's the visual scale or the, you know, the culture phenomenon the film becomes, etc. So So um, they've gotten that. And I also think that that fed into their, um, you know their their decision to move the streaming strategy forward too. That like actually, you know, the, the way people were were consuming was changing, and particularly as regards the cinema, much and all as cinema fans would love to will this to be something that it isn't. You know, like yes, there people lo- some people love going to the cinema; it's a real ritual. But it's not everybody, you know.
1: Yeah, and I think you know again, it, it's a slight tangent, but again, you know, the big faceless multiplex experience in recent years in, in certainly in my experience became less and less pleasant but again you know 30 screens to fill and not everything that you went and watched on cinema really required that amount of pleasure the it yeah um, so you know maybe we'll see an evolution or a, a shrinkage but actually it will go back to real event experiences and hopefully something slightly more pleasant than just kind of massive faceless multiplexes with slightly sticky carpets and open over-
0: <laughs> yeah i think and, and i think cinemas need to kind of think more about their market really and mm-hmm. defining almost behave a bit more like a, a a streaming platform or a tv station that you kind of think about your audience and and the type of content that they want to watch and you kind yeah. of cultivate tribes that go to the cinema
2: i think the interesting thing with disney would be how, how they net out you know, so the Pixar films are one thing, the animated, you know, one well, thing the animated studios films are another, like the, those I think will remain a cinema. The live action films, the live action adaptations, I think is going to be a bit more interesting because certainly not all of those in my view have been mass cinema worthy. Lady yeah. in the Tramp, you know, Lady in the Tramp was sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Cruella, kind of, yeah, maybe a bit of a cinema release, but actually it's mm-hmm. kind of a niche in terms of its audience, you know, like a teenage vibe and, that kind of thing obviously the little mermaid like looks like a real cinema slam dunk i don't know if you guys have seen the t- the teaser trailer for that
0: yeah and so i saw the teaser trailer for it what's the kind of um what's been the reaction on social media is it making waves
2: it yeah, was so the colorblind casting of ariel is reaction videos that are blowing up tiktok yeah of, of you know, uh, girls, uh, girls of color seeing, you know, themselves and the Disney princess in, in real life, you know, and I think that's absolutely gorgeous and not just any Disney princess, like she, Ariel's so iconic. Um, yeah. so, yeah, that's so beautiful. Um, And I think, I think Disney will need to consider, you know, Little Mermaid feels like it's a definite, it's a definite live action cinema, like event, um, you know, Peter Pan and Wendy. You know, I'm I'm not so sure. I would need to see more on it to to be sure that that wasn't be- better place going straight to Disney Plus.
0: Yeah, and and Little Mermaid feels like that's you know that's such a classic movie, and Disney Disney kind of has to find a way to kind of reinterpret and reimagine those kind of classic kind of fairy tale movies, uh, and it does feel like that is something that really justifies the cinema release. Yeah. The, yeah the the peter and uh, Peter and wendy um it feels like it fits more into that cruella category of a sort of of a spin off of a much loved franchise,
2: yeah, I think they need to tread carefully on what they do here as well because not, not all of these i don't you know of the films I've released so far I'm not sure all of them have been additive to you know massively additive and culturally to the stories that they've that that have been told I, I actually think Cinderella, which is was kind of the, one of the smallest ones, was the first one that they did, is actually really underrated. Whereas mm. Beauty and the yep. Beast, which was Emma Thompson casting, you know, was, uh, not Emma Thompson, uh, Emma Watson <laughs> casting, um, was, was, was was you know, much bigger scale. Um, Aladdin, I don't think was really, did the business, despite the Will Smith, ca- you know, casting. So, um, yeah, it just needs to be quite considered. But actually, Yeah, Cinderella's
0: I'm, great. Yeah, uh, that's, really a, that's a very underrated movie. I think that's um, Kenneth Branagh, actually, as well, as director. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, like And it's, character. yeah, it's really well done. And you're right, it kind of, it gives a very different perspective on that. Whereas the other ones, it does feel like we'll take that animation, and we'll just make it live action. But in all other respects, it will be exactly the same movie. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm actually just seeing here, um, Peter Wendy is is going to do it straight system plus, so that. I think that consideration that they're showing about those kind of titles, yeah, mm. makes sense.
1: Yeah, and, and it feels like an evolution of their strategy. It looks like that they've, they've actually laid all of this out and actually said, okay, they're the ones that we need to think about theatrical for and, and these are more Disney plus fodder. Um, and just going back to The Little Mermaid, uh, it, it also felt like, um, you know, we'll move on to talking about using social media channels as, as marketing tools, but that TikTok... Uh, reaction video felt very pre-planned, and of course they can't make it go viral. But actually, a, a masterclass in using TikTok certainly to um, create some noise around the, the casting of Little Mermaid. Did you did you uh, see any of those on TikTok? I saw some brilliant, I hilarious ones.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. That's what we go to TikTok for, though, right? It's like that yeah. little moment, that little like. It's like dopamine, but like you feel like it's good. You know, you feel like it, it's it's goodness in the world. It's not just like playing playing Candy Crush. You know, like it's 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 good. It's it's the good stuff. You know, and like seeing that, it's the good stuff. It it makes makes you feel it makes you feel happy.
1: Yeah. Uh, did you see the one with the little girl thinking it was Whitney Houston?
0: No. <laughs> oh really? That's yeah. sweet.
1: And she heard oh, the singing. She just. Seems- <laughs> Is it me Aww. or is that just Whitney Houston? Coming <laughs> <Just laughs> <laughs> from like a four-year-old knowing who Whitney Houston Oh,
2: was. my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I mean, her voice is absolutely beautiful. So, like, of yeah. course, it would be that. It's Ariel. It's got to be. But, like, wow. Yeah, I can. I I, I get that.
1: <laughs> so, you know, we talked about TikTok and, and, and earlier we were saying about YouTube. So let's talk about YouTube uh, and the um, using YouTube... HBO Max using YouTube, Amazon using um, you know to to throw shade perhaps a little bit mm-hmm. or take some noise away from Amazon and their launch offerings Rings of Power. What did you make of that?
2: Yeah, I thought this was really funny. I'm a big I'm a big fan of YouTube as a recruitment engine. Like mm. in in every sense, I've, I've seen it work. I've I just it's it's the biggest pond out there. It's the biggest audience pond out there because it's free to access. Right, so. That's so if you want to go fish for your audience, go fish on YouTube because there's plenty of fish there. Um, so, yeah, I saw this article about, um, obviously, in, in, the, in, the, in the big boy world and the big people in the adult world, um, it's a it's really hot moment in streaming with r- the rings of power from Amazon going up against HBO's uh, HBO Max's House of Dragon, you know, the fantasy the fantasy series, drama series of, like, you know, two huge IPs. And it is exciting. I'm excited about it. But, um, House of Dragon came out first. HBO Max are known actually for premiering stuff on YouTube, or at least giving um, you know episode one of hot seasons um, a window there, um, and uh, they did something quite tactical and amusing, which was um, they decided to window their HBO, uh, the HBO Max House of Dragon season episode one uh, onto YouTube the day that. Um, uh, the rings of power launched so I just thought it was just kind of cheeky funny like I, I love that kind of guerrilla programming tactics like you know it's 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 risky like it's risky it, it can be risky in terms of the business model because if something's on YouTube it's on youtube right and and, and the piracy will be rampant like you know it's it's, it's accessible to all. Um, it, it is geolock, but accessing it is just—you know—it it doesn't take an awful lot of tech savvy to access it. it. Doesn't take an awful lot of tech savvy to download it. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was a fun—you know—I respect you know, the—I res- I respect the game, you know, like that they're playing in terms of chipping away, at, trying to chip away at some of the some of the rings of power, uh, um, you know, performance. So I think that's that's fun. I mean, as it relates to kids' content, we've seen this for a while, right? So premiering episodes online, Netflix. Uh, Junior Channel did it for the first time with Ridley Jones, um, and since then they've done it quite quite often. Not for every series, but quite often um, at
0: windowing episodes.
1: They've done it for Ada Twist, and uh, yeah, no, I've seen it for quite a few kids animated yeah. series, and it seems to work really well.
0: I mean, uh, yeah, and I think I think with uh, a lot of the streaming platforms, I mean for Netflix as well, sometimes a new show can be a bit like kind of throwing a show into the vortex and it's quite hard for mm. people to discover it on that platform. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so YouTube becomes a really useful tool in that.
2: Yeah. And I think also when it comes to kids' content, it's it's also an accessibility an accessibility option because, you know, if, you, if you're if you in, know, I always use a supermarket queue and you need to give your kids your phone to keep them quiet for like five minutes while you pay for your groceries that you've spent the last 20 minutes going to get <laughs> with your screaming channel all the whole way along. You know, like you need that moment. Like YouTube is where you turn, right? Or if you're in granny's, um, and she might not have Netflix or whatever, you know, or you know, if you're on the off chance you're not sharing your password with her, um, you know, you turn to YouTube to access that content. So it, it, it fishes for the audience, it fishes for the fish, but it also serves the fish you already have in a, in a different way because it's so accessible and so you know, it's so available.
0: Interesting. And do have all of the streamers? Um, used YouTube in that respect. Has it become quite a staple? I,
2: I, I, I'm, I'm definitely tracking. I'm definitely tracking Netflix. Are doing it. I haven't, I haven't looked in detail, honestly, with at, at the other ones. I know, I, I know at Disney we used to do YouTube. You know, have windows for content on YouTube, and you know, it would be held for premiere content. I haven't, I haven't looked in detail at that more recently. Um, you know, it's yeah. YouTube is funny. I like. It, you need to be on YouTube if you're, if if, if you're if you're a kid's IP. Um, And if you're not, people will probably just pirate you up there and you can have the best content idea in the world, but things will still leak through. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting platform.
0: Emily, I remember, I think you said that you felt that YouTube was quite an important um, part of Peppa Pig's success.
2: I didn't want to go down this one because I was like, I've probably said this about a million times to these guys, but yeah, I do think it was a huge part of Peppa Pig's success. You know, at the time, it was a platform that wasn't being tracked peppa pig is the perfect format for youtube it's short it's simple graphics it's simple stories um and it was pirated on <laughs> mass on youtube and it, you know it's still it's still doing the business today like I, they're doing actually a really lovely campaign on peppa right now i don't know if you guys have caught it which is like reasons peppa is important to me and it's it's really sweet because yeah. it is such a it's you know it's 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 a household name she's a household
1: name we could do this uh, all day but actually I think you know we've covered off quite a lot actually in 30 minutes in terms of uh, what's happening currently in and around kids media so thank you for joining us today Emily and uh, hopefully we'll be able to pick some new topics uh, and, and do this again soon yeah sounds good guys thank you for having me
0: if you enjoyed the podcast please rate this episode and subscribe to the series it would be enormously appreciated
1: and thank you very much for listening. We really hope that you tune into to the next episode.
0: Bye.